Okay, will you please take your Bible and uh, let's meet together in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13. And John has some of those sermon note sheets. If someone would like one, you can just raise your hand and John Hansen will bring one to you. Thank you, John. Matthew chapter 13. This is the third week of our five-part summer series on the kingdom parables as recorded here in this chapter. Jesus is teaching about life with God and about the way God's heavenly kingdom is being manifest here on earth. Last week, in the parable of the weeds, we learned that good and evil, both wheat and weeds, grow together in our world today. And though we may want to uproot all the weeds now, God has a better plan, a better way, because, church, we need to hear this, God's good purposes are always worked out in the world, not in isolation from the world. That's very, very important for us to understand. Jesus isn't building an earthly kingdom but a heavenly one that's being formed on earth even now. And so we learned about this conflict between the heavenly and the earthly and how the presence of this conflict is building trust and hope in the Lord. Our hope, you see, is not in rehabilitating the world. Our hope is in God who is growing a kingdom not of this world. And God's kingdom grows in surprising, almost imperceptible ways. If you've ever charted the growth of your kids by measuring their height on the door jam, on the jam of your door, then you know a little of what I mean. You see, as the pencil marks from one month to the next or one year to the next, as the pencil marks ascend the jam, uh, they reveal growth from one measurement to the next, growth we typically don't recognize as it's happening. Not until we, we stop to measure do we see just how far we've come. Thumbing through old photos of your family or mementos of different sort has a similar effect in that they remind us of where we've been and amaze us with where we are now. Though decades have passed in some instances, time has flown by and we're surprised by all that has occurred from then to now. And I share this because today we'll look at two parables that speak to the surprise, to the surprise, and then to the effect of the kingdom of heaven on our lives and in our world. They are presented together because each complements the other, and together they form one thought, almost like two sides of one coin. And what's learned from these parables is simply that outward growth occurs via inward transformation. Outward growth occurs via inward transformation. So let's read this together. Two very, very brief parables. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 31. 
Jesus put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Father, we want to thank you for our time and your word today. Thank you for your word. We know that it is life. We know it is truth. And we know it's what we need today and really every day. And so we pray that, that your word would have its full effect upon us in, in, in every way this morning. Uh, give us ears to hear your voice, Jesus, and, and hearts to receive what you're wanting to communicate, that we might be a changed people even, even this morning. And we pray this for the good of your people and ultimately for the glory of your great name. Amen. Our first parable this morning is actually the third in this chapter that, that refers to the growth of God's kingdom. First, in the parable of the sower, Jesus spoke about how the message of the kingdom falls upon the soil of our hearts and grows within us as we receive it openly. And then, uh, then in the parable of the weeds... Jesus spoke about how good and evil in the form of good and bad seed grow together until the time of harvest when only the good will remain. And here, in the parable of the mustard seed, Jesus teaches about how the kingdom of heaven grows in surprising fashion. It grows in surprising fashion. Though it begins quite small, it soon becomes large and overtakes everything around it. Now, like most people, we are infatuated with size. We think bigger is better. We think success means visibility and recognition. We think recognition is the sign of significance, that something is significant only to the degree that it's seen and praised. But from God's perspective, significance isn't measured in these ways. Jesus uses a mustard seed to illustrate this. In that day, people were very familiar with mustard plants. The plant was common, and the seeds would be ground up to produce something like the condiment we know as mustard. And it was also used to, uh, to make certain oils, so the people would have readily pictured a mustard seed when Jesus brought this to their attention. Mustard seeds are very very small, measuring uh, just about one millimeter in diameter. Even the larger ones max out at about two millimeters. If I were to hold one for you here on the tip of my finger, you'd barely be able to see it from the front row. In fact, let me do that. I've got here a jar of mustard seeds. And I want to illustrate for you 
this point Jesus is making. Can you see this? Okay. Jesus is saying that though they start so small, they become quite large, even the largest plant in the garden, even the tree. This is what it looks like in the beginning. And this is what it looks like when it's grown. Now, that is surprising growth, is it not? That is surprising, surprising growth. Jesus is stressing the significance of the seed. Thank you, Kyle. The kingdom of heaven, he says, is like a grain of mustard seed. Underscoring the point that the smallness of the seed is significant in its impact. The smallness of the seed does not determine its significance. Though it's small at first, it brings large results. You may recall another passage in Scripture where Jesus uses the mustard seed to illustrate the importance of faith. When he said, if you have faith, like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing, he said, will be impossible for you. Now, this isn't name it and claim it theology. That's not his point. His, his point is that you don't need big things to see big change. Because when it comes to God and God's kingdom, the greatest impact often comes through something as small as a small grain of seed. Now, in the West, we tend to bemoan the supposed decline of the church and the lack of impact we seem to be having in our post-Christian era. But I want to encourage us this morning, church, by just saying that our perspective is skewed and we're not seeing Correctly, We're not seeing at things as they are. This isn't the case when it comes to God's work around the world. Just seven years ago, so this is relatively recent, Dr. Philip Jenkins wrote a book about this, published by Oxford University Press. Jenkins is a professor at Penn State, and he said in his book, The Next Christendom, he documents the explosive growth of Christianity around the world today. Think about these numbers. In 1900, there were approximately 10 million Christians in Africa. By the year 2000, 100 years later, there were 360 million. By 2025, conservative estimates see that number rising to 633 million. Those same estimates put the number of Christians in Latin America in 2025 at 640 million and in Asia at 460 million. According to Jenkins, by the middle of this century, 
by the middle of this century, there will be over 3 billion Christians in the world. Far and away, the, the largest, uh, fastest growing world religion on earth. I think those of us in the West need to hear this particularly in America, because if I can just be frank with you, I get a little bit concerned and honestly a little bit upset when I hear Christians bemoaning what isn't true. We've convinced ourselves that we're losing when in fact... God is working in amazing ways and the gospel of Jesus Christ is taking more and more ground and men and women of all ages today are placing trust in him in large numbers. Can I get a witness? (laughs) But let's get back to Jesus' point here. It didn't begin this way. In fact, you know when it began? For us, for us, it began with a simple promise from God. It began in Eden at the fall of humanity when God promised a Savior. That was the seed first planted, lying beneath the surface of the soil, taking root underground until the birth of Jesus. And even the birth of Jesus seemed small and insignificant when compared to what we'd expect. Here was the pre-existent king of the universe, the eternal one, the one by whom and for whom all things were made, coming into the world in total obscurity. When he began his public ministry years later, he was scrutinized and he was minimized. His followers were largely uh, commoners or outcasts. When he was tried and eventually crucified, he was numbered with common criminals. And yet he rose from the dead and commissioned the church and continues to build his church to this day. And the church came from humble beginnings as well. At the start, you remember, there were only 120 people. Not that much more than what we have in this room this morning. They huddled in a room in Jerusalem, and when the Holy Spirit arrived, they began talking to people about Jesus. More and more were coming to faith daily, hundreds, then thousands. The church spread from Jerusalem out to Samaria and the regions of Judea and then into the known reaches of the world at that time. And it has continued to multiply from that day to our present day, from that part of the world to all parts of the world. We are here today as followers of Jesus, standing in a long lineage of faith, a testament to the growth of God's heavenly kingdom on earth. And hear this. We came, you and me, we came without much fanfare, didn't we? The Bible says, consider your calling. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose you nonetheless. 
And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. God's kingdom is like that. It grows in surprising fashion because the seed itself, as small as it is, contains the power of new life. You see, seeds are little kernels of life which appear inconsequential at first, but give them the right soil and the right amount of water and sunlight, and somehow new life bursts forth. One of my seminary professors, you've got to hear this, one of, they once, he once told us about some Japanese archaeologists who brought a 1,200-year-old lotus seed to life. Uh, apparently this particular species of plant it's known as the Oga lotus had been extinct and it's now revived the casing had become so hard they had to drill microscopic holes in the hole so so the lotus could break free from its shell but the life of the lotus was there all along The seed contained life. The seed represents life. The seed is life. Jesus likens life with God to the life of a single seed. It has all the life-giving potential uh, God has given it. Its life never dies or fades away. Even after periods of dormancy, like the Oga Lotus, the seed can break forth into our lives and grow all around us and even from within us, reaching heights we never even thought possible at first. Who knows, who knows, who knows how long it may lie dormant in a person's life. I want you to think about the people you know today. Who knows how long that seed may lie dormant in a person's life waiting for just the right moment. The growing of God's kingdom in people's lives takes time. Our culture has become so time conscious. We want everything now. We seldom want to wait, but the kingdom is organic and it cannot be rushed or forced. God sets the pace and we need to follow his pace because it's God's growth rate, not ours. We need to come to this place where we reach a point where uh, we align ourselves and our endeavors to the organic rhythms of God's kingdom. Now eventually, the seed becomes a tree. And Jesus said, a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. I think this is really uh, an important. This is this is a, this is not just a uh, a simple thing. Jesus was saying. I think he's 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 making an important statement. The nest is the bird's home and refuge, and God's kingdom is that for us. And in this tree that grows from that single seed, there is ample room for many nests so that many birds can find rest in its branches. The limbs of this tree extend in every direction 
People from every walk of life are welcome in this tree. You are welcome here. Have you found a home in the kingdom of God? I think that's what Jesus is implying here. Have you found a home in the kingdom of God? Indeed you have, and indeed you will, if you trust and follow Christ. From this parable, then, we learn to not give up, to not lose hope. We learn that God is at work in ways we cannot even see right now. We learn to not underestimate the power of God. Though the kingdom starts small, it spreads throughout your entire life and into every corner of the world. The parable of the mustard seed is about the surprising growth of God's kingdom. And then Jesus adds a second. A second related parable in verse 33 that stresses its transformative effect. The kingdom of heaven, he said, is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Are you with me? Now leaven, you know this, Leaven is an ingredient used in baking, such as yeast, that causes batter or dough to ferment and rise. And here the woman hid the leaven in three measures of flour, which, as I'll illustrate in a bit, is an abundance of flour. The leaven to flour ratio here swung so heavily in the direction of flour that the leaven is basically hidden, Jesus said, essentially unseen and undetectable, and yet over time it will permeate the dough until the entire batch is affected. Jesus compares that to the kingdom of heaven, saying that God's work in our lives and in our world, though unseen at times, is having a transformative effect nonetheless. As leaven works from within, so God begins within the human heart, within the heart of a person. For when the heart is transformed, uh, so is the life of that individual, and thus he or she becomes an agent of transformation within their particular context and culture. What begins within what begins within in unseen ways therefore becomes Uh, comprehensive and evident to all, just like leaven that permeates the entire batch of dough. This is the power of God's grace upon our lives. Now think about this with me. Consider your own experience as a child of God and follower of Jesus Christ. There was a time, wasn't there? There was a time when you didn't know God or didn't even know of God. But somewhere along the line, you heard of him and you began to learn more about him. In love, he began to work upon your heart, revealing himself to you, even in ways you couldn't always recognize. You learned about Jesus, about the grace and mercy of God, and you began to follow Jesus. This is all God's doing. Eventually, you came to trust Jesus while the Spirit of God created in you a heart for God. And suddenly, things that seemed so important to you before, before you knew Christ, no longer seemed as important. 
because now you were on a new path that led in a new direction and you began to desire what God desires and you began to do that which God is doing, participating with Him in His work in the world. I think you need to look back and I need to look back. We need to look back over the days and months and years. We need to recognize just how far you've come by God's grace. See how God has been transforming you, even though you couldn't always see it at the time. And then notice how He has sovereignly placed you in situations where the ongoing transformation in your life is being used by God in transformative ways in the lives of others. In fact, I bet, I bet there's a good chance that someone in your life today is being touched by God through you. Isn't that amazing? God is like that. God meets people where they are, serves them, draws them, calls them, transforms them, and then He sends them out into the world to meet new people and continue the the pattern. Despite our many shortcomings and failures, despite our own corruption and wrongdoings, God's work continues in us and through us to influence others in a positive way. Did you know, church, that followers of Jesus historically have led the way when it comes to things like social work and education and medical care and the liberation of slaves and women's rights and prisoner care as well as advocating for those who society tends to neglect. The first institution for the blind was founded by a Christian monk. The first free clinic was founded by a Christian merchant. The first hospital was founded by a Christian woman. These are examples of how God's concern for people is being made known through us. Examples of how God's kingdom, God's rule, and God's reign is advancing on earth, hidden as it may be at times, like leaven in the flour, it continues to have an undeniable transformative effect. Our challenge, however, simple but not easy, is learning how to effectively promote kingdom values in a society that resists them. Albert Moeller president of Southern Seminary and one of the leading advocates for Christian cultural engagement, one of the leading voices today in arousing the church to get out into the culture. He said in the latest issue of Bible Study Magazine, first she states the obvious, secularization isn't just a threat, it's a reality. And that means the church, as a community of Christ, is going to find itself increasingly marginalized in society. In other words, he's saying, that's a given. That's a reality. Don't, almost like, don't lose sleep over that. Of course, that's going to happen. 
So, he says, we're going to have to be more persuasive because we're no longer able just to flex our cultural muscles like we once could. So we're going to have to show up, he says, with, with better listening, better positions, long-term faithfulness, and a very clear commitment to the gospel, and a very clear commitment to see humans flourishing. We're going to have to take interest in people and in their well-being, he's saying. We've got to show up with hope. We've got to be hope-filled people. And we need to be hopeful people, he said, whether the political battle before us is won or lost. Unquote. You see, as, the, as with the previous parable, what stands out is that God is operating in surprising, sometimes unexpected ways. You know, all three elements of this parable, the leaven, the woman, and the amount of flour would have caught the attention of Jesus' first century Jewish audience. Leaven was typically used as a metaphor for sin, meaning that we, what we might call uh, just a little sin can actually inf- uh, affect our entire lives. But here, Jesus likens it to the kingdom of God. That would have caught the attention the woman in this parable is, is also noteworthy simply because women weren't given equality in that day and in that culture. Therefore, they weren't thought, they weren't thought culturally, they weren't thought to be influential. And yet here, Jesus elevates the woman by presenting her as an agent of change in God's kingdom. The sheer amount of flour, I mentioned this earlier, the sheer amount of flour likewise would have surprised Jesus' listeners. Three measures of flour is a ridiculously large amount. It's about 144 cups worth. In fact, uh, you would need... These are the things pastors do when they want to really stretch an illustration. You would need a 100-quart industrial-sized Hobart mixer with a dough hook as big as your leg in order to knead this amount of flour. The point is, this woman wants to do more than just feed her family. She wants to do more than even just feed her family and her neighbors. This woman wants to feed as many as she can. She wants to feed dozens of people because like the birds who come to nest in the branches of the mustard tree, the kingdom of heaven isn't just for you and me, it's for all meaning that God intends to work in you, then through you in the world. And so the takeaway is to be like leaven. Understand that God has placed you in the flower of the world, so to speak. 
to be an agent of change. Now, though you may think you're not able to affect much change, Jesus is teaching just the opposite. Jesus is saying that things are different with God. Things are different in the kingdom of God, saying that even the small and unnoticed things can have a sizable impact. Don't underestimate what God intends to do through you in the lives of those around you. And so here we have both parables. Both parables we've considered this morning teach about how the kingdom begins and how it continues. Both present surprising growth, transformative effect. Like a mustard seed, the kingdom starts small but grows to grows large to become the largest of garden plants, even a tree whose canopy extends over the entire garden. The leaven operates in much the same way. A small amount, almost undetectable, permeates the entire batch of dough. And in both cases, the end is dramatically different than the beginning. But it's not just about the end. Jesus is also teaching about the means to that end. It's about the process of growth embedded in the meaning of these parables. It's about the way in which the seed and the leaven work. The seed yields visible results. In other words, a tree is left standing where once a a small kernel was planted in the earth and the leaven operates in, in more unseen ways. It itself is never noticed but its effect is undeniable. And so put together, we find that outward growth occurs via inward transformation. And so, may the kingdom of heaven, church, may the kingdom of heaven be like a seed planted in your life and like leaven within your heart as you take part in what God is doing in our world. Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you for uh, speaking to us this morning. Thank you for your kindness to us in this way. Thank you for revealing to us your faithfulness, your uh, just the constancy, the steadfastness, the steadfastness of your love, the um, the uh, the inexhaustibility of your grace, the power of your gospel, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is taking more and more ground by the day. And I would pray that these things would take ground in our lives too, that they would uh, permeate us, that they would um, expand within us, that the whole of our lives would be kingdom-centered, and then out from us would be a desire to minister, to be, to be agents ministering agents of the kingdom in this world. And to this end we pray, for your name's sake, amen.